Amen, amen. Uh, we, at the forefront, we're going to uh, have communion later on in the service. So if you have not received communion on your way in, there's a basket back there. You can feel free to get up and go grab communion for later on. Is anybody else hungry after hearing what everybody else ate? I heard something that I haven't had in a long time, and now I want to go make it uh, and eat it. Uh, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I did with the family. Uh, It was amazing to get together, and there are so many things that I am just grateful for in life. Anybody there? Like, don't forget in your spiritual journey to take moments and be grateful to the one who provides all those things. Be grateful to Jesus. Don't forget to take that moment. We are entering into a season. Today is the first day of the new season called Advent. If you are new to church or haven't been to church in a long time, maybe this is a new term for you. Uh, But the word Advent means arrival. It's when the church takes a moment, takes four weeks to prepare our hearts, our minds, our lives for Jesus' arrival. Both as we remember Jesus being born at Christmas, and as we look forward to Jesus coming again. It's a season. And the church has a way, it develops these seasons, these rhythms in a yearly church calendar. And so we have Advent, which leads into Christmas, Jesus being born. We have Epiphany. We have Lent leading up to Holy Week, leading up to Good Friday, leading up to Easter. And then we have Pentecost, when we celebrate Jesus rising again, coming back and and giving the Holy Spirit to us to fuel the church, to fuel the believers, to give power and to transform us. These are things that we talk about every single year. It's a rhythm of the church. It's the rhythm of our lives as Jesus followers. It's a moment for us to pause. To be reminded. To refocus our lives. I don't know about you, but life can get distracting at times. And I can find myself wandering all over the place and, and, and having priorities on other things and putting other gods in front of Jesus. And, and all these things sneak into our lives in this yearly calendar. This Advent is a season for us to pause, push it all back. And reflect. And be transformed. And as we are reminded, as we reflect, as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us in these seasons, we are invited to become part of the story. Advent is about hope. 
Advent is about waiting. Advent is about preparation of your heart and your mind for Jesus. We read about it in Matthew, in Matthew 3, verses 1 through 3. We have John the Baptist who came before Jesus, and he was the forerunner for Jesus, and he was calling people out. He was saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is coming near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. This was John's job. (laughs) To prepare the people for what was to come. For Jesus' arrival into the world. Into their lives. Into their hearts. Into their minds. Repent. Prepare the way. Get ready. He was quoting Isaiah 43, 40 verse 3. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So I have a question for us. Uh, How many of you are preparing for Christmas? Like how many of you went out and bought a tree this weekend? A couple people. Don't worry, there's still some left in the lot. How many put up lights? How many have completed your Christmas shopping? I don't know why my voice just cracked. How many, are, how many have completed their Christmas shopping? Don't worry, I haven't either. I haven't even started. We do all these things to prepare for Christmas, right? I don't know about you, Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. And we do all these things to prepare our homes, to prepare our families, to prepare ourselves for an amazing Christmas, right? And my question for us is what are we doing, what are you doing in this season over the next four weeks to prepare your hearts, your minds for Jesus? What are you going to do? I want to encourage you, don't let the busyness of life, don't let the busyness of this season, don't let the fact that you got a million things to do on the list in this next month, you got a million parties to go to, you got to get those Christmas cards out, you got to put the lights up, you got to buy the gifts, you got to cook the food, you got to do all the things. Don't waste the next four weeks. For what really matters. To prepare your hearts and your minds for Jesus. We, we talk about waiting. And there's a lot in this season of waiting. And in the next four weeks, we are waiting to celebrate, right? Right? We are also waiting for Jesus to come back. And there's one thing that our culture doesn't really like, and that is waiting. We live in a culture where everything is on demand. If I want to watch something, I can watch it right now. 
If I want to buy something, I can buy it right now. I get a little frustrated that the shipping times are a little delayed this last year and a half, but that's okay. I can still get it within the week. If I want to make a change, I want to do it right now. Maybe that's just me, but if I want to lose weight, I want to lose it right now. If I have an issue with somebody, I want it fixed right now, or I want to avoid it because it's uncomfortable to lean into that. If you have to believe something about an issue, they were tempted in our culture to believe it right now and to make up our minds about it right now even if you haven't done the research we live in a culture that doesn't do well with waiting if you're grieving get better if you're suffering with depression fix it If you're suffering with anxiety, stop it. We live in a culture where we want everything to be fixed and okay. There's a problem with that because that's not how life works. See, it's often in the waiting that transformation happens. It's often in the waiting where what's in our hearts and what's in our minds are revealed. Scripture is full of waiting. And here's a question. Do we, as Christ followers, value waiting? Do we value the lessons that we get in the waiting? Do we value the dependence on Jesus that we are forced to lean into as we have to wait? And then the next question is, are we waiting well? Right? Because we will wait regardless. That's just part of life. But the next follow-up question is, are we going to wait well or not. In scripture, we see examples of both. We read from Isaiah and we, we look back to Israel's story. And we see a lot of seasons when they did not wait well. We see Israel early on in Exodus, and they are waiting, they're crying out for God to rescue them because they were in slavery, they were oppressed people. And they were crying out to be rescued, and they were waiting. And then we see they are waiting for God in the wilderness, and they didn't wait all that well there. And then later on in Exodus, we see Exodus 32 with the golden calf. We see they are waiting for Moses and God, and they don't wait all that well because they get tired of waiting, and they go and make another God. Then we see God later on in the the relationship with the nation of Israel. Is God is sending prophets and trying to call them back to repent, to come back to Him. Does it sound familiar? There's kind of a theme here. 
God is always pursuing. God is always reaching out. God is always inviting us to come back to him, to repent, to turn our eyes, our lives to him. We see God is sending all these prophets. Please come back. Please turn your life. Please don't look to these things. Please don't give into these urges. Please resist and come back to me. At the core of the Christmas story is about waiting. Israel's story culminates in the, in the Christmas story. 400 years go by of waiting for the Messiah. You get in the Christmas story a little bit. You get Mary and Joseph had to wait. Waiting reveals our hearts. Waiting exposes what's inside. Waiting prepares us. So how are you going to wait? How are you going to hope? How are you going to prepare over the next four weeks for Jesus? Henry Nouwen, a pastor, theologian, said this about waiting. Active waiting is waiting that pays full attention, is fully present to what is going on. Even when, to all outward appearances, nothing is going on. I love that because there's a difference between passively waiting and actively waiting, right? Passively waiting is sitting back, just waiting, not engaging your mind, not engaging your body, just literally waiting for whatever it is that's going on to pass. Whatever stress, whatever tension, whatever situation is happening in life, whatever struggle is happening, you are literally just sitting back. You are not doing anything. You're passively just waiting for whatever situation it is to pass. And then there's active waiting, to which is what I think we are called to do as Jesus followers. And as we are waiting, as we are being patient for whatever it is to be fulfilled, for whatever it is to happen, whatever it is to come to pass, we are called to activate our minds, our bodies, our brains, our prayers, our dependence on Jesus. So that as we are waiting, we are praying, we are 
continuing relationship with Jesus, we are taking the steps of faith that we need to take. Like we aren't just sitting back, oh, I hope this passes soon. No, it's getting in there and going, you know, I'm going to engage. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be relying and depending on Jesus as this trial passes. Now and says that this kind of waiting, active waiting, builds intimacy and relationship. Whereas passive waiting kind of withdraws. Active waiting leans in. And I would argue actively waiting is where our faith is sharpened. Where our faith is formed. Where we are transformed in our spiritual lives. It's not often fun. It's not often pretty. But it is needed. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. One of the ways that we wait well, that we actively wait, is that we are vulnerable in the waiting. This is one of the aspects of what it means to actively wait. Brene Brown, like the godfather of vulnerability of our day, uh, if you know the books Daring Greatly or any of that or TED Talk or anything like that, she is like the queen of vulnerability of our culture. Uh, She describes vulnerability like this, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. It's that unstable feeling we get when we step out of our comfort zone and do something that forces us to loosen our control. See, as we wait, actively wait, we are also called to be vulnerable with it. What does that mean? Uh, I was talking to my counselor uh, a month ago, and we were talking about this relationship that I have and uh, this tendency in this relationship for me to feel bitterness and anger rather quickly. And I was explaining this to him, and he goes, well, why do you feel that way? I was like, I I don't know. Right? Well, let's talk about it. Why, when you engage with this person, does bitterness and anger become the emotions that you feel? I don't know. I didn't think that was an important question before. It's actually quite important. And we start talking about it more. And we start talking about how, well, the emotion and the anger, the bitterness, is kind of this defensive mechanism. It's this way to passively separate yourself from what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And so through the course of that conversation, it really turns out that I need to be more vulnerable with the feelings that I'm actually feeling. Because those are the feelings that are leading to the bitterness and anger. And so we're talking through the situations, and he's going, yeah, this makes sense. This, this 
makes sense why you would feel this way. This makes sense. Let's talk through that. Let's process that. Let's get this out. Let's get it out in the open. And he says, even if you don't tell the person, you are still being vulnerable with yourself and vulnerable to Jesus with what you are thinking and processing. And when you do that, he says, you are able to start to integrate life together. Because we have this tendency, when we're defensive, when we're bitter, we're angry, we wall off a part of life and we go, I don't want to really think about that or feel that. And this is what vulnerability is all about. Because when we really feel, when we identify the emotions we are thinking and feeling, when we're walking through that, we are starting to integrate ourselves together. And the ultimate, ultimate integration is in Jesus. And so as we become vulnerable, we start to feel things like compassion. We start to feel things like grace. We start, it's actually the doorway to begin to be transformed by Jesus. Whereas before the door was closed, I'm not going to allow Jesus for you to come in there. No, now I'm going to open the door. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what I'm feeling. Talk about what I'm thinking. And as we do that, Jesus, you are going to transform whatever is there. So I think this vulnerability in the waiting is pretty important. Is this invitation from Jesus to bring all your pain, all your struggle, all your doubt, all your stuff that you're dealing with in the waiting, all this stuff that you tend to push away and close doors on, bring all of that to Jesus. It's interesting. We just finished our series on Genesis. And what's the one of the main issues in the first stories in Genesis? Adam and Eve. Sin. They don't believe God. They say, I think because a serpent whispered in my ear, the deceiver whispered in my ear, I think there's something better than you out there. So we're going to take the fruit, we're going to eat it. What was the immediate result? They discovered that they were naked and they, they felt shame. They were hiding in the bushes. They were blaming each other. What did God do? He was walking along in the garden. Hey, Adam, Eve, where are you? What was that? He knew where they were. It was a question, an invitation for them to be vulnerable. Instead, they deflected. Cain and Abel, same same story. Where's your brother? Who am I, my brother's keeper? It's not my job. An invitation to be vulnerable with God was deflected. We asked the question last week, what if 
in any of those stories, what if Adam and Eve repented, confessed their sin, and came back to God? What if? I think they missed out on an invitation. And here's the thing that's interesting. I've been reading this devotional called uh, Honest Advent by Scott Erickson. And there's one little chapter in there called Vulnerability. And he talks about how God, Jesus, took the ultimate step of vulnerability by being born and coming here to earth. See, we serve a king that was ultimately vulnerable, who the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And with all the risks... All the waiting. Jesus spent nine months in a womb of a Middle Eastern teenage girl, lived 33 years before he really began his ministry, waited three full years to fulfill the prophecy and go on the mission of the cross so that you and I can be rescued and redeemed. And in Philippians 2, we see Paul talking about Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as men. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even on the cross. It's the ultimate step of vulnerability, of uncertainty, of taking a risk for you and I. In the devotional, he asked this, what does it say about a God who's willing to be this vulnerable with us? What is it, what it says about a God who's willing to be this vulnerable with us is that God is willing to open himself up to deeply connect with us. The real question is, during this Advent season, as we wait, as we hope, as we prepare our minds and our hearts for the coming of Jesus, is will we do the same? Will we actively wait? Or will we passively wait and allow ourselves to be distracted by everything that's going on in life? I pray as we follow Jesus that we actively wait. That we trust that we depend, that we are intentional about our prayer life and about reading scripture over the next four weeks. We are intentional about leaning into community. We are intentional about opening the doors and being vulnerable with Jesus first and foremost. I pray that we don't miss the chance 
to be vulnerable when Jesus asks, where are you this Christmas season? Today, we're going to celebrate communion, and and as the worship team comes up, I want to invite us to really wrestle with the question, where are you in the beginning of this Christmas season? Like, where are you? Where are you at emotionally? Where are you at mentally? Where are you at spiritually? Is your mind, is your heart focused in, on Jesus? Or are there things that it's scattered, it's all over the place? Even in a busy life, our minds can still be focused and dependent on Jesus. So I invite you as we begin communion to sit with that question and wrestle with it and be vulnerable to Jesus. I always kind of laugh because Jesus knows anyway. But there's something profound in you owning up to where you're at. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, I receive from the Lord what I've also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. And we had given thanks. He broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you and I, we proclaim Jesus until he returns. Amen? Jesus, in the season of Advent, I pray that we meet you here. That we would meet your spirit here. And that you would transform our lives. Amen.